ML Carr is out, Rick Patino is in, and now the 90s get really interesting on this Wednesday. Locked on Celtics. Millies, let's go. Rain and Jay's back with the vengeance at all the real Celtics fans in attendance. This the truth like 34. This like walking in the garden when you hear the roars. The crowd goes crazy. Most in-depth coverage on the daily, mainly. Podcast royalty, the content kings. When you talking about the franchise with 17 rings. Focus like Danny at the deadline. Global with it, got a local feel like the red line, the blue line, the green line. Play it in between time. I'ma throw my C's jersey on in the meantime and press play. When the F's done, I can't wait until the next day. Trying to stay in tune with the C's, it's the best way. Melly. John Corral is here of MassLive.com, thanking you for returning for another episode of the Lockdown Celtics Podcast. You know, it's a crazy time, and I very much appreciate all of you taking the time to download this podcast and making it part of your daily routine. We continue our conversation into the 1990s with the end of the ML Car era and the beginning of the Rick Patino era, and it is all brought to you by... Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first order of the most delicious protein bar on the market. Covered in 100% chocolate, it is not only going to give you that candy bar feel, it's going to give you protein and none of the extra stuff that you don't want in a protein bar. So go to BuiltBar.com, promo code is LOCKEDON for $10 off your first purchase. We continue our conversation now. It's the end of ML Carr's time, and Rick Pitino comes in, and there is there are warning signs. There are red flags. We ignored them at the time for the most part, but there are warning signs for the beginnings of the Rick Pitino era in Boston. So let's continue the conversation with Chuck McKenney and Mike Dinan of RedsArmy.com. I mean, I can remember one game where um, they were at home, playing the Pistons, and they were up two, and the Pistons had the ball, and whatever the rule was at the time on a catch-and-shoot, you know, like, let's say it was .3, and so there was .2 seconds left, meaning the only thing the Pistons could do would be a lob pass to the rim and a tip-in. And instead of defending for that, they were defending the three-point line. It wouldn't have counted if they had made a shot. Of course, Detroit threw a lob pass to the rim, scored, went into overtime, won the game. And, and maybe that was ML's intention, but, man, that was hard to watch. It was just hard to watch and accept. And then, of course, it didn't even pay off. <laughs> the, the Celtics, at that point, to, to Mike's point there, the, the entire concept of losing on purpose – was just so foreign. It was sickening. The the Celtics tank? Are you kidding me? We don't tank in Boston. We don't do that kind of stuff in Boston. The haughty kind of, you know, way too serious, way too snobby kind of attitude because the longest the Celtics had ever gone without winning a title since Red Arback got there was what five years or six years? If you if you start at the beginning from his his first years coaching, 
But once they won a title, once they won their first title that in 57, they had never gone more than four years without a title. They'd go in, in that fifth. So they, they won in 69 and they won again in that 73, 74 season. So the fifth season, uh, the same thing in, they won in 76 and then they won in 81. So like all of a sudden the 1986 Celtics were the last champion. And here we are, it's 1996, 10 years, 10 years without a title. Oh my God, we were losing our minds. Well, how, how can that be possible? But the NBA changes and all of the things that made the Celtics great and allowed them to kind of have that, that run, it was all gone. Like salary cap became an issue. The, the number of teams became an issue. Uh, good people drafting and making shrewd moves became an issue. The best player in the league not being on your team became an issue. So, <laughs> you know, like that's how. Uh, I mean, just to just to jump on like your point there. I mean, pretty much from like whatever it was, fifty-seven to even say ninety-two, you could look at, you could probably look at that Celtics roster in those at any point in in those years and be like, yes, we, we have some pieces here that can make a deep playoff run at a minimum. And I'm sure there were some lean years in there um, or injury years, but the, the team had foundational players. By 94, those players were long gone, right? Yep. So I know the expectation was always there or even, and it still lingered, but at some point you should have looked at that roster and been like, this team isn't doing anything. I, I mean, I'd be more, I'd expect more apathy than, than anger. Just, just, just because once you see that roster on opening night, you'd be like, okay, we have no chance. <laughs> I don't know. That's just, I just find that interesting. Like, but it's also you know, for 40 years. They were for 40 years. They, they, they had a, you know, um, uh, a championship driven, uh, roster. But then by, by, by the, um, you know, uh, early to mid nineties, they didn't. I mean, it was crystal clear. But, you know, I guess, you know, fans are emotional. I mean, who, who am I? I'm, wait, am I calling out a fan base for, for being irrational? But at that, the same time, <laughs> this is, this is 1997. This is, you know, they wrapped this thing up in 1997. This is the, the internet is in its infancy. There's no Twitter. There's no real kind of, um, expanded universe of bloggers and writers constantly reminding you, okay, look, this team's just not going to be good. We just got to accept it. Like there was, it was the globe, the Herald, a few other, uh, writers there. You, you'd have to read it in the paper. You'd see the, I mean, EEI was just getting started, right? I mean, they, they started to pick up their steam in the mid nineties, right? Am I, I think so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, so, I mean, there, so you have sports talk radio, being sports talk radio, I mean, I don't recall what it was exactly like back then, but I'm sure, I'm sure they're they're killing because it's it's still conversation, right? So you have people listening to that, uh, reading stuff in the papers. There's no place to go to talk about stuff, like I said online. So you, it all, I I don't know exactly. You know, I I think that you know fans, maybe there. I'm sure there were plenty of fans that did understand. But it's hard to say, really, 
other than you hear the stories, but how big of a percentage were those people that were sending that making that effort to send ML car hate mail? There, there might've yeah. been a large, I mean, I'm looking at the basketball reference page and their uh, attendance was 20th of 29 teams. So people weren't, you say apathy. It seems like there was plenty of apathy because that yeah. arena wasn't full. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you know what else? Um, as you were talking about, John, with the, the very short time, only a few years between championship segments, okay? You know, five years from when Russell retired to they won again. And then five years after 1976 and they won again. And this time it wasn't happening and everybody wanted to know why. You know, you know the, the expectation was, okay, we'll, we rebuilt once, we rebuilt twice. We'll just do it again. Right. But so many other factors got in the way. You are Locked On Celtics, your daily Boston Celtics podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You work hard on staying healthy you eat the right things you go and you work out during this pandemic maybe you're working out at home you're trying your best okay it's not always perfect i get it it's not always perfect for me either sometimes you want something quick something delicious something that's going to satisfy a craving that's why in those moments you go to built bar built bar is going to give you something sweet delicious tastes like a candy bar but it's going to give you 15, 17, 18 grams of protein, not a ton of calories, not a ton of sugar, not a ton of carbs, okay? You want something that's going to satisfy a craving and be healthy, or maybe you want something delicious for breakfast that's a little sweet. Maybe you want something directly after a workout. You can go to the gym when gyms reopen, tuck a built Bar into your pocket, and after you're done lifting, eat the built Bar, and you can get that protein right into your body right away. It's delicious, it's nutritious, and it comes in a bunch of different flavors. If you have a nut allergy, there are nut-free versions. There are versions with nuts in them. There are versions with no gluten in them. So whatever it is, whatever your allergy, you can get a built Bar, and you should be fine. You can get all of the taste, none of the calories, none of the extra stuff, just protein and deliciousness. You go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON for $10 off your first purchase. BuiltBar.com, promo code LOCKEDON, $10 off your first purchase. If you've done this, hit me up on Twitter and let me know what your favorite flavor is. Let me know how you feel about the Built Bar. I guarantee you, you're going to love it. It's BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON. You're going to get 10 bucks off your first purchase. When you talk about the Celtics' luck, the luck that had gotten them so many things over the course of their, their franchise history, as I've mentioned multiple times in this series, it's, it's run out. It ran out tragically twice with Bias and Lewis. And now the Celtics at 15 and 67 are the easily the worst team in the league. They 
are in position to draft Tim Duncan. Tim Duncan is immediately going to be uh, a generational player. We now know that wherever Tim Duncan was going to go, he was going to turn that team around. Uh, people in San Antonio know this because San Antonio, who also did a little bit of tanking themselves, yeah. but uh, not quite as good as the Celtics, but the Celtics missed out and ended, ended up in that 1997 draft with the third and sixth picks in the draft uh, rather than the number one pick. Uh, the number one pick, Tim Duncan, number two pick, Keith Van Horn, <laughs> and then Chauncey Billups comes to Boston. Uh, that moment, you, I, I remember ML Carr, his face when that card came out and it was Boston, and he just had this look of like, oh my God, <laughs> everything, it was all for nothing. It was all for nothing. Rick I mean, Pitino um, had already been hired by that time, right? And I yes. think he was fully expecting when he took the job that he was going to get to coach Tim Duncan. And that didn't happen, and that was a sign. <laughs> I mean, so can we can we just talk about, before we jump into that, the selections, and that, you know, Pitino selections and subsequent moves, you know, the euphoria around Patino, right? So I think I was elated that he was coming here. I mean, I were Rhode Island guys, that 1986 Providence College Friars team. Hell yeah. Uh, right? That was a fantastic team, Billy Donovan's team. That was such a fun run. Um, but then Patino moved on and he had a couple good years um, with the Knicks where he was just the head coach. Um, I think one one year, the second season he was there, they won 50 games or something. But then and then he went to Kentucky, um, and I'm not I couldn't really figure out why he left New York if he wanted control and wasn't given control or something. But um, he went to Kentucky, so I think you know when the Celtics had had the chance to bring him in, I think we were all excited. His you know, the Patino brand wasn't tarnished yet. Maybe there were some questions about could he have the same success in college that he had in the pros. But like I said, he did have one decent year in New York. I think the only question was you're giving him total control of the franchise, but maybe that's what was needed to lure him here. So you knew there was maybe some risk, but, but I don't know. I was all in on Patino. Everybody was. Everybody had very high expectations. I mean, he did win the championship in Kentucky, like you said. And then Antoine was here. One of those players, uh, he, he had a couple other guys, too. Uh, Walter McCarty was on that Kentucky team, and then Mercer. And everybody that I knew, and myself included, was all excited about Patino's going to turn this around. And I, I got to meet the guy. I forget what the circumstances were, but it was something having to do with where I worked, and he was making an appearance because he had a book called Success is a Choice, <laughs> which sounds good, but <laughs> we found out it really wasn't true. But he was giving out the books at this appearance, and I got an autographed copy. I still have it. And I actually read it, and it was all about, you know, roll your sleeves up and work hard and get get to, to the office early and, you know, a lot of homespun 
folksy right. type of uh, advice that doesn't really fly in the real world. <laughs> and uh, But we didn't know that at the time. Everybody that I knew was excited because he was a winner and he was going to come in and get it done. I will echo this sentiment because, again, like, I'm a Rhode Island guy. I grew up in Pawtucket. I watched that Providence College team make their final four run. Um, that was with Billy Donovan. Delray Brooks was on that yeah. team. Uh, God, I love that team. Uh, I my my high school coach was a Providence guy. I'd go to the Providence College camps. Like I loved that team. When he went to Kentucky, I was I became a Kentucky fan. Like I was all about it. Uh, when he came to Boston, I was excited, very excited. This was the culmination. This is this is going to be a great story. So he comes in. Celtics have bad luck in the draft. They take Billups and Ron Mercer. But immediately what you see in Rick Pitino is an impatience. And what he doesn't do, and, and by contrast we look at Brad Stevens, who did not obviously have the same control that, uh, that Pitino had, but you look at a guy like Brad Stevens who comes into the league and says, okay, the league is different. I'm going to have to do certain things differently to succeed at the NBA level, um, and, which means a lot of that emotion from the coaching side in, in college, you gotta, that's got to go away, um, And which was funny because by having that control – Patino's impatience, whatever he, whatever was success that he had in New York, that kind of, I feel like fed the, as, as the GM, as the guy in control, it kind of fed like, well, I, I need my guys and I can go get my guys because I'm the one that's hiring my guys. So he immediately just starts making move after move after move after move. Like in, in June uh, so June's the draft. July, he signs Travis Knight as a free agent. That didn't he renounce the rights of like half the team to sign Travis Knight? Yeah, something like that. I mean, that yeah. was the first move where you were like, what the hell's going on here? Because Knight was not. I mean, as a collegiate collegiate athlete, he was just he, he was an okay player. He had one. Um, one one year in the NBA, right? Uh, he didn't do anything, and then but Patino, you know, he would always talk it up like he was building. He wanted athletes. He was he wanted athletic players. Um, he wanted players that fit his style of play. He made you think like he had this grand plan and he needed certain pieces who, you know, just because they didn't fit somewhere else didn't mean they weren't going to fit here. But when you looked at that deal and at the time, the money that they gave him and the guys that had to let go, which I think Rick Fox, yeah, Rick Fox and Dave Wesley, I think th that was part of, you know, letting go of those guys. Um, Dino Rajo also. Right. So. I understand you don't want a guy who's smoking cigarettes at halftime when you're trying to play an up-tempo <laughs> move, but, you know, 
we still need basketball players. And the Travis Knight move to me was just the first red flag. Like, wait a minute. What the hell? Anyone who watched him at UConn and knows, like, why are we investing? Why are we literally putting all our eggs in, in that basket? It just did not make any sense. Follow us on our social channels at LO Celtics on Twitter and at Lockdown Celtics on Instagram. What you were saying, Chuck Brinks, is 100% right about the way Patino would sell things. He had the charisma, you know? He could convince you that he knew what the plan was. He had a great plan. He was going to carry it out. Nothing was going to stop him, you know? And But then, like, yeah, he signed non-impact kind of free agents. It's just you're trading one bunch of bodies for another bunch. And he wasn't getting anybody that was going to make a difference. He renounced the rights to... The Celtics had nine free agents that year, and he renounced the rights to all nine free agents to sign Travis Knight. Uh, Well, to be fair, they were a 15-win team, right? Right. <laughs> so yeah. we expected that, but it was the way that he did it, I think. Yes. But be, one of them was your team captain. Um, and, and Chuck, you're right. Like the guy <laughs> at 22 years old, a rookie in LA, averaged 4.8 points and 4.5 rebounds. Then he comes to Boston. And he averages 6.5 points and 4.9 rebounds. And after the Celtics sign him, he immediately gets they, – didn't they trade him, like, right away? I'm not sh- – Travis? Or did he leave as a free agent? They signed him to some ridiculous, like, seven-year, $20 million contract, which was another <laughs> thing. Not only did you go out and get him, but you overpaid when nobody wanted to invest in him. So there was no reason to give him that contract. I don't recall the specifics. Maybe there were, you know, out years or something. But I just remember it being a burden. I'm not sure when they ended up getting rid of him. It was 99. He only played one season with the Celtics. January 99, they traded him to the Lakers for Tony Batiste. Yeah. So here's the the Travis Knight transactions list. (laughs) Drafted. With the 29th pick in the first round by the Bulls, released by the Bulls, like weeks later, signed as a free agent by the Lakers, two weeks after that, plays one season with the Lakers, then signed by the Celtics uh, in 97, and then a year and a half later was traded to the Lakers and he's out. He's way. He ends up getting traded to the Knicks and waived by 2003. Uh, that contract that he got from the Celtics was like his last contract. Right, right. <laughs> Didn't make any sense. Um, well, there's another uh, another great example of what you're talking about was Chris Mills. He was um, he had played for Cleveland and he was a free agent. And the Celtics signed him in August. 
and in October they traded him. He didn't even play. He didn't even make it to the season before he got traded. He signs as a free agent, gets traded away. It's I mean it's I mean, insane. Patino was just too quick on the trigger. Yeah, as we've it, heard about him. As soon as as soon as you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. We're just going <laughs> to leave that alone. Um, what? what? Nothing. Nothing. Um, we, we're going to uh, – when, when you look at the Rick Patino era, we should have known right away that when he took Red Auerbach's title away from him, when he didn't even let Red Auerbach keep a ceremonial – title of president of the team that he wanted to be named president of the team. You couldn't just name him general manager. You couldn't just say, yeah, you're running the team and whatever you're going to call, you're going to call it. But you know, red, red at that point, I mean, he's old man. He's not, he's not really running anything. He's not doing anything. He has no power, but Patino had to take that, that title had to take that away from red. And I think that's, that's really like you look back on you that that should have been the moment where you say oh, no 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 that that that's not cool. I think we overlooked it at the time, and in retrospect we say that. But at the time we probably should have been like, well, wait a minute, why are you doing that? Yeah, I think people did ask that question. There was some blowback on that, um, but again, he he could sway you. He could make you buy in. He had that way about him that he could get you to go along with what he was saying because, oh, he's he's got uh, a good track record. He's been a winner. And, yeah, we got to give him the chance, and he's going to do it for us. And it was only when we actually started to see that it wasn't happening, that's when he started to run into trouble. The red flags were there with Rick Pitino, but... Like I said, I was a big fan of Rick Pitino's. At the time, he was a Providence College guy. He led the Friars to the Final Four. That was an amazing time in college basketball history in Rhode Island. And so I, as a Rhode Islander, and Chuck and Mike, who live in Rhode Island, Chuck grew up in Rhode Island, Like we, we all were like, yeah, yeah, this was awesome. Not awesome, though. The Rick Pitino era continues to get worse, and we'll continue to talk about that in upcoming podcasts for the rest of the week. So subscribe if you have not subscribed. Please follow on Spotify if that's your preferred method, or just subscribe wherever podcasts exist. If this is your first time, thanks for sampling. I hope you have enjoyed it enough to go ahead and subscribe. The rest of you, I hope you will go and give that five-star rating, that good written review, and I hope you go to BuiltBar.com and buy those Built Bars, the chocolate-covered candy bar-tasting protein bar that is really going to taste better than anything else that's on the market while giving you all the protein, not all of the extra calories, none of the extra sugars, none of the extra carbs. Protein the way you want it, delicious in a, in a good, chewy, delicious bar. It's BuiltBar.com. The promo code is locked on for $10 off your first order. Now, go tell your smart device to play the latest episode of Rejecting the Screen.